Hey, Junior here. Thanks for hitting play. A big shout out to my new friends in Alabama. Thanks for listening and sharing. Florida as well. And of course, my faithful friends in Illinois and Southern Wisconsin. Thank you so much for reaching out, sharing this podcast. It goes a long way. Well, even if you're not driving, buckle up. This might get a little controversial. Eh, not might. It will. That's the thing with scripture. It never holds back punches. It never dances around issues. This next bit might have some hard things to swallow. But let's have this conversation in grace. It's a conversation we need to have. In fact, we're already having this conversation. It just involves a lot of mudslinging and drama. I want to have this conversation, but in a more productive way, in grace and love and truth. So bear with me. This next bit has the potential to bring unity. Let's jump in together. Well, Forbes magazine put out a piece, and yes, I read Forbes magazine. I'm a very classy man. I, I know I don't look it. Um, Forbes magazine recently put out an article spelling out a concern for a loss of freedoms in our democracy. And Forbes writes that there is more surveillance, uh, suspension of rights, and control over shared information. Essentially, what, what Forbes put out is, is it's pointing out a conversation that we're all having right now. How do we handle a pandemic without it costing freedom in the long run? I mean, regardless of our many opinions on that, it's a very big conversation in our society right now. Uh, big tech companies, you know, like Twitter, Facebook, we all know this, are in the news recently for suspending people based on opinions that were shared. And I'm not talking about that whole Trump circus that was going on. I'm just saying, in general, a lot of people are unable to log into social media right now because there's a control over information. Maybe you've been put into Facebook jail yourself. Some are saying, well, that's a, an infringement on free speech, whereas other people are saying, no, those are you know, privately owned companies who can suspend whoever they want. They have the right to do so. See, freedom and rights right now, is a, this is a really, really big conversation. Freedom, requiring masks. Should we even go here? But requiring these masks, this is a hot topic, and it fuels this whole discussion that we're all having on freedom. We all have opinions, and they vary. Right now, some people don't feel comfortable coming to church, and, and maybe that's you, uh, physically because of COVID, and, and we love you, and we, we can't wait to see you and, and, and worship shoulder to shoulder with you. But then on the other side of, of the debate, we, we, have, we have people who aren't attending the bridge right now because we ask people to wear masks, and they feel this right here is an infringement on our freedom, and so we're going to wait uh, to come back until, you know, they no longer ask to wear masks, or we'll look for another church. And, and if that's you, I, I can't wait to, to worship with you again as well. So you have two different sides, people who really, really want the masks, and then you have people who really, really hate the masks, and then we have everyone in between. We, we have people in our church who wouldn't be coming to church if it, if it weren't for wearing masks. Uh, some say, I have the freedom to, to not wear this mask, and others say, no, you don't have the freedom and I don't say all this to trigger you, because I know this can be a big trigger for a big debate. We all have opinions on this very complex issue. The real question, though, that we should be asking ourselves, especially if we're a believer, the real question we should be asking ourselves is, how do we navigate this very complex issue on freedom as a believer in Jesus Christ? And sure, we all got opinions on social media, censoring and masks and shutting down the economy. We all have opinions on that. The bigger issue, though, is how do we handle this as believers? How do Christians approach this subject on freedom? Well, I'm glad you asked because Paul talks about that today. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 is where we're at. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Uh, we started, we're about halfway through this book, 1 Corinthians, uh, that we started three months ago. 
And if you're just joining us, great. Don't feel like you're coming in in the middle of a movie. This is a great spot to jump in. The book of 1 Corinthians is a great book to study after the year 2020. And we've been hitting the reset button on many different issues and areas of, of our life. And today we're going to talk about a sensitive subject, freedom. It's about to get a little controversial. We need God for this for sure. So let me, let me pray and we'll jump into this. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. God, you are a, a father who uh, loves, who cares, who is um, quick to show mercy and, and grace. God, I ask that you open our hearts today. And please open our minds as well. And this is your word that we are studying. We believe it is true and we receive what it says. And so we ask in the name of Jesus, may you open our hearts and engage our minds. Amen. Well, as the lens of Scripture zooms in, we enter into a town that we've been in for the last couple of months, the town of Corinth, Greece. Along the main cobblestone streets at taverns and and storefronts and temples. Some temples are large and some temples are small little temples, all of them built to the various gods that are worshipped by this society. And as you walk past these temples along the main strip, you periodically see families going into the pagan altar, killing an animal, sacrifice. And from the street, you can hear the sounds of the animal dying. You can smell the burning. It's something that we're not used to. It's quite disgusting to us, but it's very, very common here. And after the sacrifice is over, the family will come back out of the temple with meat that was not burned in the sacrifice. And they will take it to the marketplace to sell, often at a cheaper price. And it's that that becomes a big debate in the church. Is that meat that was just on an altar, is that meat that is now being sold at a cheaper price, is that okay to eat? And it was just burned on the altar of a false god. In fact, Paul, who started this church in Corinth, he he tells the church those altars uh, of false gods are really demonic. There's demonic powers behind those altars But the meat that was just sacrificed on it, is the meat okay to eat? I mean, it's just steak. It's like our mask debate today. Some say, some in the church will say, yeah, eat the the meat, it's fine to eat. Others in the church will say, no, 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 don't don't eat the meat, it's not okay to eat. And many have very strong and emotional opinions about it. To add to the debate, there were famines going on around this time in Greece. And so while people are going hungry, do we turn down the cheaper meat in the market? I mean, sometimes it's a, it's a take what you can get in this world. Everyone in church has got something to say about it. They've done their homework to back up their view on the matter. They've debated with each other. They've teamed up in the church. Like us today, they've got their sensitive subjects. And Paul goes right for the sore spot. He says this, Now concerning food offered to idols, I know it's a big debate among you guys, we know that All of us possess knowledge. And my goodness, this is so good. Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago, but it's like he wrote it to us today. Right here. This is so good. All of us, all of us possess knowledge. Meaning we all have our, our opinions. In other words, all of us have read our blogs. All of us have our favorite tweets. All of us have Google. All of us have listened to our favorite talking head. All of us have statistics that back up our opinions. And all of us have memes that are saved on our, on our phones. All of us possess knowledge. We all got this knowledge, these opinions. This knowledge puffs up. This is true, isn't it? 
our knowledge puffs us up. Hey, I got statistics that tell me about masks. I read a blog on the election. I scrolled Twitter for two hours about pandemic economics, so kind of an expert here. I'll be the first to say I'm guilty of this. I remember my first class in Bible college. It was my sophomore year. Uh, I took this class called hermeneutics. It's just a, it's a fancy way of saying interpreting the Bible. And, and by thanks, so I, I take a few of these classes by Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, it's only a few weeks into, into classes. I haven't, hadn't even passed the class. I went back home to my church like I was like St. Augustine or something, like an expert. Oh, I've sat and you know, ate lectures about the Bible. Look at you peons doing it all wrong. It was so annoying. I had this knowledge that just puffed me up. But I still do it. I listened to a political podcast a couple of months ago. For the, for the week after that, I was walking around like I had a doctorate in poli-sci. You know, just knowledge puffs us up. How often do we, have, do we learn pieces of information solely, uh, solely for the purpose of using it as ammo? Oh yeah, I've got I to remember that statistic for the next time Uncle Al talks about masks. Because I'll just like bazooka him with, a, with that statistic. Knowledge puffs us up. Because we see information as bullets. We collect information, not to help us find truth, not to help us grow in our understanding. We collect information in order to shoot it at the enemy. We have this information arsenal. Uncle Al's going to feel the pain. Eat this meme, this podcast, this statistic. Pow, 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 pow. Knowledge puffs us up. We see it as ammo. We'll walk away from a news source, you know, loaded up like Rambo. Ammo slung over our chest, information waiting to unleash it on those who disagree with us. Heading a little too close to home, aren't we, right now? Paul's on to something here. Knowledge puffs us up, but love builds up. All-knowing God put on skin to live among us. He didn't come here primarily to school us and to shoot us with information, though we needed that. He came to build up, to, to love. Now, this doesn't mean that we withhold truth, that we withhold knowledge. That, that's not loving. We are to be people who seek truth. We are people who share truth. The truth must be held, valued, and shared, but always framed in love. Now, that's certainly not easy. It seems to be a lost art today. But this is, you think about it, this is how Jesus lived. This is what fascinated people about Jesus. Jesus was all about truth, but truth to Jesus wasn't ammo. It was shared in a deep love that benefited and built others up. And there's something fascinating, there's something attractive about that. It's an art, and it's what Jesus has called us to. Knowledge puffs up, love builds up. My goodness, this is, like, this is enough to just... Sign off and, and, and walk away and, and reset just our whole approach to information. But we are just starting. We're just one verse in. Verse 2. It says, If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. How many of us really thought we knew something? We were so confident. I know this is true. Only to find out later on that we were so wrong. See, married guys call this marriage. Just because you read something... Just because you heard something, just because you saw something, doesn't mean you have the full story, especially if you saw it on the news today. It's like the other night, I was, I was uh, cutting potatoes 
we were making a Sabbath meal, our family was making a Sabbath meal, and we were making some homemade potato chips, so you had to like slice the, the potatoes really super thin. And Nicole told me, she said, babe, don't, don't cut like that, you're, you're going to cut yourself. And I was like, Nicole, I'm a man, I know, how to, I know how to use a knife. 30 seconds later, I was bleeding everywhere. And my five-year-old comes walking into the kitchen, and she sees the blood. She's like, what happened? And Nicole says, well, honey, daddy didn't listen to mommy. Well, Nora gets this horrified look on her face and angrily says, so you cut him? No, I mean, my five-year-old thought she had all the info. You know, she saw the blood, she heard Nicole's comment, and she pieced things together, but it, was not the, it wasn't even close to the full story. She didn't have all of the info. It's exactly what verse 2, that's what, exactly what Paul's saying here in verse 2. You imagine that you know something, you have some bits of pieces of information here and there, you don't have all the info, likely you have little biased bits of information, but you don't have the full story. Skip down to uh, verse 4. Verse 4, he says, Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, let's go to this debate, we know that an idol has no real existence and that there is no God but one. Now notice the quotation marks in this verse. This is something that Paul has heard one side of the debate say, and he's agreeing with one side. The pro-meat people, the people who are saying it's okay to eat that that meat on clearance, those people are saying, hey, idols are, are nothing Actually, in verse 5 and 6, if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, if you have your Bibles in front of you, Paul agrees more with them. He says, idols are inanimate objects. God is not threatened by inanimate objects. So Paul's taking a side here. He's saying, the meat is fine to eat. It's, it's fine to eat. Now, you've got to remember, half the church would have disagreed. It would have been like Paul getting up here today and telling us, you know, answering our mask debate. Should we wear masks? Should we not wear masks? It'd be like Paul getting up here and answering that. Half of us would go, yeah, got that right, yeah. And the other half of us would go, yeah, but, but, but no, 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 that's, that's wrong. And then he does something, though, that nobody expects. He continues on. He says, however. Now, again, that's a really, it's a really big however because he just agreed with one half of one side of the debate. He says, but however, and I'm going to take both sides. We're going to go above this debate. He says, however, not all possess this knowledge. This knowledge meaning that idols are just inanimate objects. But some, through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. He says, I I need you to think about this from more than just your perspective. Some in your church used used to sacrifice to idols. It was a big thing to them. When they see the meat offered to an idol, it reminds them of the hopelessness that they felt when they used to offer meat to idols. And so when they see you eating the meat, they struggle with that. In fact, if they were to eat the meat, they may struggle with not reverting back to eating it out of worship to that idol. So essentially what Paul is saying here is he's saying, this isn't about meat. In fact, there's more at stake than the steak. There's more at stake than the steak. This is pretty good, isn't it? A little... We'll play on words here. I came up with this myself. I have a lot of knowledge. Uh, I'm just joking, by the way. As if this isn't controversial enough. When we talked about masks, think of this debate this way. It's a little bit like drinking today. Some believers drink and some don't. And, and the, the ones that don't drink have really good reason to. Uh, maybe they have a, a history of, you know, a family history of alcoholism in their past, Maybe they have a past addiction. Uh, maybe their conscience just doesn't allow them to drink. And that's okay. That's good. That's safe. I've mentioned this before. 
And when I did, I talked to the elders beforehand because me saying this might upset some, some people, but for the sake of preaching this, I'll tell you, I drink. I don't get drunk, never have been drunk, but I enjoy certain drinks. I believe that I have that freedom to do that. However, I also understand that some in our church community that I love so dearly who would disagree with me, um, I, I don't see them as being weak, by the way. This is not a one-to-one comparison here. But out of love for my brothers and sisters who would disagree with me, I don't and won't have any sort of alcohol in front of them. In fact, even at my own wedding, I did not have alcohol there because I had guests who would have disagreed on this alcohol debate with me, and I just didn't want that, uh, that to be put in front of them. And that's okay by me. In fact, there's no sweat at all. Now, if I couldn't do that, I have a problem. More than a drinking problem. If my opinion and my right and my freedom mean more to me than my brothers and sisters whom I love, that's a huge issue. And that's what what Paul is getting at here. There's more at stake than just the stake. This isn't a a debate just about the meat. There's more going on here. He continues in verse 8. He says, food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if if we do not eat and no better off if, if we do eat it. Essentially what he's saying is it's not a big deal. Just because you're on one side of the debate here doesn't mean you're holier or, or on a moral high ground. It doesn't matter. And that same truth carries on to debates that a lot of times we as church, a lot of times church people find themselves in today. And we get so hung up on certain debates, you know, masks, drinking, politics. We get, we get like so into them. And I think sometimes God looks at us and says, that's, that's what you're, you're going to get passionate about? That's what you're spending all of your chips on? Masks? For real? American politics? Seriously? And people are dying and going to hell. But hey, as long as, they, you know, as long as they went to hell agreeing with you on your masks, as long as they went to hell voting the way you vote, then, then it's okay. Well, of course not. Essentially what Paul is saying here is it doesn't matter really that much. This is more than just the meat. This is more than about masks. He continues on in verse 9. He says, but take care that this right of yours does not somehow, look at this, become a stumbling block to the weak. The truth is, we have the potential to trip up other people. You have freedom, but your freedom in certain situations can cause another person to fall into sin, to to stumble into sin. Uh, This is why I will not drink in front of somebody who's going through recovery, because my right, my freedom could be a trigger for them. Paul illustrates it in verse 10. If you look at verse 10, if you have the Bible in front of you, he says, you know, what if you're walking home from the meat market, you know, with some clearance meat that you just bought, which is not wrong to eat. You can eat that. You have the freedom to eat that. But let's say you pass a brother or sister who walks by, and they struggle, and, and, and they disagree with you on this whole meat, you know, topic, and, and, and they see you eating the meat, again, which is not wrong. It does not violate your conscience, but it does violate their conscience. And now they're encouraged to eat the meat, but because they struggle with it mentally, attaching the meat to the idol, it kind of throws them off spiritually. And in verses 11 and 12, he says, well, then you've sinned. You put a stumbling block in front of, in front of a brother, and they stumbled into sin. It, it, it's not wrong to eat the meat, but if you cause another brother to stumble, now there's wrongdoing. Again, there's more at stake than just the stake here. There's more to this. He continues on. He says, Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. Now, he's not saying he's going to become a vegetarian here. There's a line. If you look at the original wording here, he's saying idle meat. The, the meat that we're talking about, I just, I'll, I'll never eat it. 
Idle meat is fine to eat. You have that freedom, but hold up. It's not always about the meat. It's about loving your brother and sister and building them up. So do whatever does that. Don't use your freedom card willy-nilly. Have some wisdom, have some class, and try to see things from their perspective as well. Make sense? Yeah, I mean, are we good at it? Yeah, honestly, not all the time. When it comes to what we just read, Christians, we, we, we struggle with this. So let's get really, really practical. Maybe rock the boat a little bit here. Let's, let's take this further and unpack this a little more. Three truths from this text that help us navigate this whole discussion that we're all having on freedom. The first truth is, right here, is knowledge must be balanced by love. Your knowledge must be balanced by your love. Knowledge puffs up, love builds up. Now, oh, pursue knowledge. Don't be ignorant, but love all the more. Problem is, and this is what Paul is getting at, with knowledge comes pride. Knowledge likes to jump into the car and push love into the back seat. This is Jesus' problem with the religious leaders. They were so puffed up with knowledge, and they knew a lot, but they couldn't see God in flesh standing right in front of their face. And every one of us have this propensity to become a modern-day religious leader, puffed up with knowledge and our opinions. We got our blogs, we got our books, we got our podcasts, we got our news networks. And how much of all of that is helping you and I love better? It's doing the opposite, isn't it? Pursue knowledge, but balance all that knowledge with love. We lost an amazing example of this a couple of months ago. Rachel uh, who, who came here for decades. She, she sat in the front row every single message. And we talk about someone who, with a lot of knowledge. This, this girl knew far more than I do or will. I took every theology class that, that we offered, uh, read like crazy. I mean, this woman was absolutely brilliant. And in fact, it was, for me, it was intimidating to preach sometimes because she sat in the front row. She, she knew more. Yet she was so encouraging to, to me and my teaching. I mean, brilliant mind. And as knowledgeable as she was, our church is remembering her for her loving heart. The stories that our community, our church community is sharing about her, it's all about her love. Again, she knew more than me, yet she changed my kids' diapers and taught them Bible verses. And I could tell you story after story after story about this woman's selfless love. Now, she had the knowledge. She knew more than us, but she balanced it with her love. And this is rare, but so, so special. Knowledge puffs us up leads to virtue signaling, anger, and division. Love builds up. Love leads to harmony, strength, and unity. Pursue knowledge, but lead with love. Be known for your love. I mean, come on. I hate to break it to you, but not many care about your knowledge anyway. And nobody's really interested in, in what you know. For every podcast you've listened to, for every book you've read, for, for every blog you have, the other side has the same. They're not interested in your knowledge. They are interested in your love, though. And your love opens them up to consider your knowledge. See, I've never heard a testimony of somebody saying, you know, I became a Christian because a church person just totally schooled me one day. But I have heard many people say, no, you know what, they loved me, like a lot. And that love made me interested in what they had to say. And so I listened, and, and I wanted to know what they believed because they loved me really good. Your knowledge must be balanced by your love. Second point, second truth from this text is confidence must be balanced by caution. 
Confidence must be balanced by caution. Paul says it's not wrong to eat the meat. You can eat the, the meat on clearance. And those, those who are confidently eating the meat were not in the wrong. But, Paul says, have some caution. There's more at stake than the steak. It's okay to be confident in your freedoms and confident with your rights. I, I can be confident that I can drink and it not be a sin. I'm confident in that because of Scripture. But I'm also very cautious. Cautious that it doesn't become a problem because Scripture's clear on that. But also cautious that it doesn't cause my brothers and sisters to stumble. We, we can be confident in our political opinions. We can be confident in our position on COVID. We can be confident in our opinions on masks and social distancing. But balance that confidence, though, with some caution to not divide and stir conflict. See, confidence without caution is arrogant and deadly. I think of it like riding a motorcycle. I love riding a motorcycle. I grew up riding on the back of my dad's motorcycle. And then three years ago, a friend at church loaned me his Harley, and it's still in my garage. Uh, don't loan me stuff, I guess. I, lo I love riding motorcycles. And I'm a confident rider. And I don't say that's a brag, but, but I'm, I'm confident. In fact, a couple, uh, last summer, I, I hit, um, I was in the city, and I hit a, uh, a puddle of, I didn't know what it was at the time, but I hit a puddle of um, brake fluid. And uh, it made my tires really, really uh, slick. I could not brake. Every time I tapped the, the brake, the, the bike would, would fishtail. It was, really, it was really scary. And the even scarier part was, though, is I was coming up to an intersection, and I couldn't stop. And so I, I just kept sliding, and I hit the brakes and actually slid, like, diagonal through the, through the intersection. It would have looked so cool, like, sliding through an intersection, like in a movie, if my face wasn't, like, total terror. Uh, I can't believe I didn't drop the bike, but just kind of kicked it back and, and, and kept going. I'm a confident rider, but I'm also very cautious. I never cruise in people's blind spots. No, I could. I have the freedom and the right to. They should see me on the bike. But I don't cruise in people's blind spots. I don't race yellow lights like I do in my truck. I have, now if I see any liquid on the ground, I, I, I'm, I'm cautious to change lanes. I'm confident. I'm a confident rider, but I'm cautious. And that is how Paul is saying we should live our lives with our freedom. You can confidently eat the meat and enjoy it. You can... You can confidently live as if COVID is, is exaggerated, and you can be confident in your free speech, and you can exercise your freedoms, and you can be confident, but with that confidence, have a spirit of caution, wise caution. After all, you might be wrong. You ever consider that? So, our knowledge must be balanced by our love. Our confidence is okay to have, but it must be balanced by our caution. And, and this is really, really huge. I, I wish that all believers would really consider this and champion this today. And we got one more point that we're, we're going to get to, but, but let me just kind of take a time out here and, and say this. Um, this is why I will wear a mask if I'm asked to. As I said, we, get, we got people all across the spectrum in our church on the mask debate, and I love every single one of them. Um, some who have left our church because uh, because we ask people to wear masks, and, and then um, some who will be upset when we no longer ask people to wear masks. I mean, we just, a wide spectrum here. Both sides have read their blogs, both sides have their statistics, both sides have their memes and their podcasts to, to back up their knowledge on the, on the mask issue. It's, it's a very hot topic. But I also see this right here as a perfect opportunity to live out the pages of Scripture. And so, I'll wear a mask. As an act of love and caution, I'll, I'll put on a mask. Now, uh, I wouldn't on my own. Personally, I have my own opinions when it comes to the effectiveness on masks and the degree of danger that, that, we're, that I'm facing. 
Um, some things to me, like risk mitigation, some of it's just illogical to me. I hate wearing a mask, and I have a lot of research to back up my personal opinions on the topic. But for me, masks are like the meat. I'll wear a mask. If it means that I can worship shoulder to shoulder with more brothers and sisters on the weekend, this is a pretty small sacrifice to have that happen. And this is a pretty easy way to, to love more. Now, of course, with anything, there's a line. There will come a time, herd immunity, uh, readily available vaccine, there will come a time, I don't know when, I hope it's soon, when masks are no longer helpful. Or I would even say loving. At some point, I will not wear my mask. I, I won't judge people who do, but I won't wear mine because at that point, it, it won't be as much of an act of love. In fact, I believe it, it might even be perpetuating something that isn't good for our society. Like, I don't buy that, the idea that masks are the new normal moving forward, and I don't buy um, you know, the, the idea that, that they're, they're harmless. I, I believe that kids need to see faces, that we, we need to see smiles, and at some point there needs to be this return back to real community, the way that God intended us to, to live and interact without this trepidation and without this fear. And so when it comes time to have that return back, I want to lead the way in that because that's loving. And I know the big question is like, okay, well, when, Junior? I don't know. In the meantime, I just I submit to the elders because Scripture tells me to submit to the elders, and so I submit to the elders that God has put over me, and I lean on their spiritual guidance, and I'll just do what they ask me to do. But in the meantime, regardless of my opinions and regardless of my strong feelings on, on this subject, and I know you got yours, maybe you're ready to email me yours, regardless of my opinions and even strong feelings, in the meantime, I'll put on a mask because I want to be at peace with you. I want to be in church with you. And so throwing on a mask is a, is a pretty small, temporary little sacrifice to, to have that. Because it's obvious from this text, it's more than a mask. It's more than a mask. So throwing on a mask, it, 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 I'll do it. It, it. It's about love. It's about unity. And sometimes love and unity requires sacrifice. I know, I, I just ticked off the, the pro-mask crowd because I said I'll wear a mask, and I ticked off the anti-mask crowd because I said at some point I won't wear a mask. I mean, it's just, it's funny to me. It's an oddly emotional topic. It's weird that it's so emotional. But, but, but for us, it's not about the masks. We're talking balance here. Something that our, our society just is not so great at, but the church should be good with our balance, that we balance our knowledge with our love, and we balance our confidence with our caution. Third point, third truth from this text that helps us navigate this whole topic of freedom. Freedom must be balanced by responsibility. Freedom must be balanced by responsibility. Paul writes, you have the freedom to eat the meat. You got the right. But with freedom comes responsibility. So yeah, use your freedom, but balance it with responsibility. It's funny, we talk about freedoms and, and rights quite a bit. Rarely do we talk about the responsibility that comes with those freedoms and those rights. See, for every, for every right comes a responsibility. You have the right to bear arms. You also have the responsibility to be a safe owner and not hurt people or threaten people. Uh, you have the right to free speech, but you also have the responsibility to not slander, not assassinate people's character, and not bear false witness against people. With every freedom, with every right, comes responsibility with that. See, I, I, this is, right here, this is one of my biggest struggles. This is exactly why I don't post everything that I want to. Mysterious, I, I, I have some really good opinions, and I think the world should know my opinions. My opinions are really, really good opinions. In my head, if I posted more of my opinions, this world would be a better place, because my opinions are really, really good. 
And, and I have freedom to put them out there just like everybody else does. And then valiantly fight in the comment section and have all this keyboard courage and fight for my opinions. I have that freedom. I can do that. And often I want to. Especially when I see, you know, idiots out there who are just expressing boneheaded ideas. Like, I could crush them. I'm ready. I have an arsenal of information locked and loaded, ready to go, ready to school a fool. Say, put me in, coach. I'm ready to go. I have that freedom. But I also have a responsibility to not embarrass you as your pastor, which I'm probably not all the greatest at already. But, but seriously, I, I can't tell you how many times I'll be ready with a post or a comment only to hit delete instead of post. Like, I have the freedom to hit that post button, but I also have a responsibility to my brothers and sisters to live above a lot of the mudslinging that happens. It doesn't mean that I'll never post or will never post on controversial things, but before I hit that post button, I gotta feel some responsibility. Before you exercise a right, feel the weight of the responsibility that comes with that right. When you don't feel responsibility, for that freedom, you abuse that freedom. A gun owner who doesn't feel the weight of responsibility for being safe, not a good gun owner. A believer who drinks, who doesn't care at all what others may think or, or how it affects other people's, that's wrong. A Christian who posts nasty stuff online, never feeling responsibility for how they represent Jesus Christ, that's wrong. That, that, that's sin. You could boil this whole, this whole chapter that we read, we could boil it all down to, to this statement right here. Yeah, exercise your freedom. Eat the meat if you want to eat the meat. Wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. Have your political opinions. Use your freedom of speech. Have your right. You can have your confidence. But bear the weight of responsibility. A lot of times, it's a lot more than just your right. It's about love. There's more at stake than just the stake. And I know there's this temptation right now to be a little bit bothered because I said I wear a mask or I said at some point I won't or maybe you're bothered because I talked about drinking or you know, I talked about guns. There's this tendency to get bothered because you and I probably see things differently. The conversation is far greater though than our little differences. This is about more than the meat. This is about more than the masks. This is about more than drinking or, or social distancing or, or guns. This is, what we're talking about is, is so much more. Paul takes us above all that. It's about our testimony of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ calls you and I to sacrifice once in a while, like he did for us. This world is so divided. It is so messed up. I mean, Dr. Seuss is getting canceled, Mr. Potato Head controversy. I mean, people are canceling each other. Everybody's disagreeing about everything. Wouldn't you say, Christian, that right now provides the perfect opportunity to live this chapter out, to be different than the rest, to, to balance our opinions with a great love for each other, for other people, to have a little bit of caution, and to not be afraid to sacrifice some rights to love other people better. This world will constantly bait you into the lesser. Don't go there. Follow Paul's example. Live above that. This is, this, is, this is about more than masks. There's more at stake than just the stake. We're talking balance. We're talking love. We're talking sacrifice. Hey, thanks again for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe. Better yet, hit that share button. Maybe screenshot it, share it with your friends. Blessings. Blessings.